Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. This is the show where we talk about everything mountain biking from equipment to trail guides and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray as always and I'm joined by my co-host Tom Bell. Hey Tom. Hi Colin, how's things with you? Good thanks, not too bad. It's been a wee bit ill, a bit of winter lurgy but uh, I'll recall that. <laughs> not going to over-dramatise it too much. <laughs> it's that time of year definitely. I've, yeah. uh, I got over it a few uh, a few weeks ago so I've had it as well. <laughs> or really, so are you feeling better now? I am, yeah. I uh, it always kind of gets to me around sort of November time, and uh, just just have to kind of sit it out for a week or two and uh, and get over it. And generally, I'm yeah. okay after that. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Well, uh, if you've been listening for any length of time, then you know that we are usually season based show. Last season, we were talking all about how to customize your bike, how to make sure your bike and your equipment is really well tailored for you uh, and this time we want to come back we've taken a break for the last couple of months so thanks for bearing with us if that's you coming back to us after a, a couple of months off um, and we want to do over the winter just actually be a bit less formal a bit less uh, themed of a season and actually just mm-hmm. do a bit of a catch up every couple of weeks during the winter talk about what's going on because I always find we were just talking about with Tom I always find that um I don't know, it's just it's when I get a bit bored because you're not out on the bike maybe quite so much. So you're always looking at little bits of shiny kit and uh, new races you might be able to do for next year and exactly. try to figure out ways to you know stay fit, improve the skills anyway. So kind of updating, updating I suppose, on equipment, training, races, that kind of stuff. That sounds good. Exactly that. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to do next. Well, it's not what I think we're going to do. It is what we're going to do over the next couple of months. We're going to put out an episode once every fortnight for the next uh, two months up to the end of February uh, and actually just keep up with you guys uh, and answer some questions too we l- loved the response that we got to all of the uh, all the requests we put out during last season asking for Q&A's for the end of the season we did a couple of Q&A episodes at the very end of the season and we got some brilliant stuff so we've got tons of questions still to go through so we're going to go through a fair bit of them as well over the coming episodes um, but yeah it's actually just I don't really get to ask you Tom what you're up to and uh, what you're doing and all your training and all that kind of yeah. stuff so be able to just good to just go through some of that stuff yeah definitely exactly <laughs> so to that end what's the last couple of weeks been like what have you been up to yeah, it's been good. We've enjoyed some uh, some nice weather. I realise I always talk about the weather, but it's, I guess it's because we're British. Um, <laughs> we like to talk about the weather, but it, uh, it's been nice. Uh, I've been getting out. I mean, this time of year typically is geared to geared more towards uh, longer rides, uh, establishing that kind of aerobic fitness and and base level fitness for the, for yeah. the season ahead. So um, it's been nice that it's been uh, it's been good outside to. To get to get some long rides in, um, yeah. both both on the road bike and the mountain bike as well. So, so have you got some long trails, uh, mountain bike? You've obviously got some long roads close by. Uh, you got yeah. any long mountain bike trails pretty close by? The, it, there's a few that are. I mean, there's a few kind of little little tiny sort of forests and woods that are that are within riding distance. The main mm. one being a place called Stainburn, which I, I think I probably talked about before. But it's um it's a it's a pretty tiny place, but it's really condensed with um, loads and loads of different trail features. Mm-hmm. It's all all handmade um, to a really good standard, and it's got. Um, uh, there's always stuff there that that scares me, but also. Yeah. Uh, but also it's just fun to practice on and it, it's almost like a cross-country race kind of condensed into a, a 
two or three kilometer loop. So um, okay. that's good to sort of ride to on the road and then do yeah. a little kind of training session there. But um, yeah. if I just hop in the van and drive, uh, you know, drive an hour, hour and a half, I've got um, Dolby Forest. Um, there's a place called Gisborne as well, which is um, oh. which is right by Hope Technology. So um, the, there's a really nice trail there. So I, I've got a few. I've got a few nice options, and then more um, less of the uh, man-made trails and more of the natural stuff. We've got into the Yorkshire Dales as well as the Peak yeah, District, yeah. which isn't too far away. So. Cool. Yeah, plenty, plenty to go at. I think. See, someone you mentioned there just sprint. So we went up, and my, one of my updates is that I've been doing very little mountain biking the last couple of weeks because I've been feeling a bit crap. Yeah. But, uh, the two weeks before that, um, I did uh, Relentless Twenty Four, and it what well, it was great fun. So we can, I, mm-hmm. I can mention that at some point. But actually, the re- the reason it popped into my head there was because you mentioned a fan. Um, my brother just bought himself a new. Uh, well, it wasn't new, new to him, Volkswagen Transporter, which is uh, the kind of mountain biking trips van that we've all been dreaming about, me and Definitely, him, and yeah. all of our mountain biking pals have been dreaming about getting for, for decades now. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it you've got? What have you got for your transport? Uh, I've got a V, I've got a VW Caddy actually. Um, okay. So a, a little bit of a smaller one. I, I, I'm definitely uh, with you on the fact that uh, that the Volkswagen Transporter is um, is the ideal kind of uh, mountain bikers van. Um, yeah, but yeah. I can't really with it just being me and just having kind of my bikes in. I can't really justify the size of it. So I went for the uh, went for the slightly smaller one. But the uh, yeah, yeah the caddy's the caddy's great. Yeah, I, I it was just so useful. Like. We had so it's comfort. It's not just a van, as in you've got all the space. Yeah. Obviously, the space is brilliant, isn't it? But it's the fact that you can put in. You had a camping table in it, so we could sit there and have dinner. Got a full a full row of seats in the back as well, a window in the back, so it's not like you're stuck in you know a dark, <laughs> yeah. uh, completely closed off space, which you would in any normal van. Exactly. Um, and his, uh, he, he bought a wee upgrade apparently when he got it, which was that the driver's seat and the passenger seat turn round. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Captain seats, supposedly. So <laughs> okay. It, it just turns it into a wee living room. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it turns, some, especially for someone like Relentless 24, or blooming any race in, in Scotland, to be honest. Um, Relentless particularly, though, because it's going to be cold and wet. Um, for any race, but actually relentless overnight as well. So cold and wet yeah, and dark. Yeah. So having this like dry, watertight... Um, you know, like proper, almost housey space. We could put mm. the engine on a bit overnight and just put the heat on and get like nice and warmed up. It was brilliant. That's ideal. Um, Absolutely yeah. ideal. So yeah, I'm I'm now uh, tempted again. I'd kind of written <laughs> off ever getting one because I mean we we could have I could I could get one. I could justify it. Um, just about, but it's like it, it would only be for one purpose. The kids wouldn't get any use out of it. The no. <laughs> wife wouldn't get any use out of it, and we would be driving about this big, huge thing for uh, for no particular reason for ninety yeah, percent of yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Uh, um, we, I mean, we got we got the caddy mainly. I mean, I could have done just just with me. I could have done with. Um, I'd have been fine with a fairly small car, just yeah. you know, put, putting one bike in and driving to trail centres. But we just yeah. do so much driving um, to to go to international races. That, yeah, um, yeah, we needed something where we could actually, um, you know, put two, sometimes three bikes in um, and have them actually sort of stood up properly and fixed yeah. in, rather than just wheels on top of wheels and uh, right. and everything just crammed in. Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, that that was the other thing, actually. Just the fact that we could be quite organised. In mm. the back, we've got the front bit for sitting around. And I realise you can replicate this in a blooming buy a gazebo or a big tent or something. Yeah. But it just felt different being inside and kind of away from the wind and it was just solid you didn't have to build it um, but we could do all that you had that in the front but then in the back we had all our boxes laid out and a kind of cooking space and all that kind of stuff it just yeah, yeah something felt quite luxurious for definitely a, yeah a i think that's way. what you i think that's what you want for a uh, you know an overnight you know overnight race definitely yeah so a camper van i think would be even better but <laughs> Can't, yeah. yeah, they're even worse for normal yeah. use. At least the van's <laughs> kind of useful in some ways outside of the biking side of things. But well, that's the thing as well <laughs> with the, with the with the caddy that I've got. It's basically like a um, you know people carry a kind of floor plan. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's it's uh, they, they've just made obviously the the back of the van is um, is just one big space. So so it's yeah. it's spacious in that regard. But if you were to put kind of seats and windows in, it would just look like any kind of uh, yeah. regular people carrier yeah, so um yeah. yeah it helps when we go on kind of ferries and stuff like that we don't have to book in you know for a for a larger sort of size or have to deal yeah. with any height restrictions and stuff like that yeah. so yeah cool okay well i'll update everyone when i buy my transporter <laughs> yeah like, good plug for volkswagen on this episode <laughs> totally advertise sponsored by no yeah volkswagen give us some cash um cool so what uh what has your training been looking like then over the way so how can you describe your training approach over the winter then what do you actually do what can i yeah does the volume change a lot the type change a lot what are you, what are you doing right now yeah well um like i was saying a bit before it's it's mainly this time of year is is just laying a kind of aerobic foundation a sort of foundation of fitness that that sort of carries you through the rest of the season and um, that involves kind of a lot of um, road rides, so long, longer road rides up towards sort of four, four and a half hours, um, and then also some mountain biking as well. Um, and generally speaking, the intensity is fairly low, but um, but but there are some kind of uh, threshold intervals and some some higher yeah. higher ability stuff in there as well. But okay. Yeah. Right, can you expl- explain this to me then? Because this is yeah. something I've been looking into a bit more, which is around the whole. I, so I read something, an article, or somebody was on a podcast possibly that said yeah. that most people's training is kind of useless because everyone tends to train at a rate that makes them quite sore, but not that sore. <laughs> so you know, yeah. you go out for a run and you run quite fast. You're, you, you know, you, you run as if you think I'm only getting benefit out of this if I'm out of breath, you mm-hmm. know, panting. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not going to run so fast that I'm actually like killing myself because I need to go for <laughs> 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever. Whatever. So most exactly. people train at this ratio, which is, you know, uh, I, d- I don't know what you would call that. Maybe you can tell me. But yeah. actually what you should be doing is training either below that so that it's really mm-hmm. easy or above that so that it's really hard. What, yeah. What's that actually? Is that right in the first place? And what's that all called if it is? Yeah. So I, I would comp- I would say from my perspective, that's, that's definitely right. Um, mm-hmm. It's generally called a polarized training approach. So it kind of goes along the um, Pareto principle, if anyone's familiar with that, in that mm-hmm. you get um, 20% of uh, or 80% of your kind of fitness gains from 20% of the training that you do. And um, it's, it's about making, um, yeah, it's, it's about alternating 
um, the stress level and uh, making the training quite varied so that you're either going um, very easy. So if, if you're training easy, you can make the training very long, which mm-hmm. when you train for a long time, that induces certain adaptions, or you can make it very short and very easy and you know recover from the sessions. And what mm-hmm. that'll allow you to do then is when it comes time to kind of push really hard and um, do these kind of uh, interval sessions or very intense uh training training workouts mm-hmm. you, that's that's where you'll get the majority of your fitness boost so it makes sense to be nice and rested for those sessions that really make the difference um right, okay and yeah there's the the opposite of that is as you described is training in this kind of middle intensity zone which isn't ridiculously hard but isn't ridiculously easy either and every training session kind of tends to um, fall into this middle ground where you, you you can quite easily stagnate and actually not um, not recover properly, but also not induce enough stress to cause kind of a big adaption. Yeah, um, exactly. It's called kind of the black hole of training because it, <laughs> right. it, the idea is that it sucks everything in, you know, from the from the easier and the harder ends um, into yeah. the middle and. So that's that's kind of um, an overview of the the idea yeah. of polarized training is what it's okay. kind of called. Cool. So either go out and do a big long, really easy session, so you kind of enjoy it. You can go for a long time, and that yeah. makes you yeah. build your endurance. Or go out and actually like do this high intensity stuff, kill yourself for twenty minutes, um, and that is that building endurance as well, or is that more? Uh, is that something else? It's definitely going to help um, in an endurance sense of making your kind of uh, muscles and tendons stronger. It's mm-hmm. more gear. I mean, the 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 sort of long, slow endurance stuff um, is mainly, you know, these adaptions that you want to kind of uh, stimulate happen as a function of time rather than intensity. So, you, like right. you said, you can enjoy it a bit more and not, not have to worry too much about how hard you're going. Yeah. It's more about we'll how dread long it you beforehand. Can... That's yeah, like... yeah. And <laughs> so you it. actually go out. <laughs> so you actually make it out of the door, exactly. And yeah. um, and then, yeah, the, the high-intensity stuff will definitely um, improve your endurance, but it, it'll also work on, you know, other things like um, what's called your anaerobic capacity. So how how much power you can put out with you know where, where you're not taking in enough oxygen to um, to fulfill the muscle sort of demands, mm-hmm. and then uh, it'll improve your VO2 max, which is the maximum amount of oxygen you can deliver to the muscles and yeah, and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So it it does all tie in with each other and um, help your kind of overall fitness. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. I was just wondering because. Um... Yeah, I've been trying to. So I've been doing. Let's maybe go on to the next section we're going to talk about, which is about the kit we've been using. Yeah. Um. And my, I've been trying to do a a six week uh, training session whereby I um I'm doing three three times a week. I'm trying to do two short ones, so two half hour ones, where mm-hmm. I'm doing uh, quite um interval, quite heavy interval training. Yeah. So sort of uh, two minutes, well, three minutes rest with uh basically a thirty second all out sprint basically uh and doing that six times um but then another one i'm trying to do an hour to an hour and a half of just a nice easy ride basically cool. and i'm doing all of this on zwift like we yeah. said before um so i've got the uh, the neo uh, the tax neo uh trainer set up in my garage i've got a big telly there um and it's great actually i'm really enjoying it um it's been able to just ride around on that make it so easy to get out there and because it's winter as well i've got no particular desire to get out in the bike yeah, properly exactly. <laughs> 
so that that's working really well for me right now actually um, and I'm hoping those three sessions it's not a huge amount of volume but I'm hoping that kind of yeah short intense ones combined with one big long yeah. one uh, is going to help improve yeah, a that's, bit yeah that's what I was going to say is that um, obviously not a lot of people have um, you know heaps and heaps of time in the day to, to train um long durations and you've essentially got to match the intensity of your training um to the amount of time you have to train so in a broad sense just making your training more um more intense that the less amount of time that you have um and cutting out and just just you know nailing it down to that 20 percent of training that actually makes the 80 or so percent actual difference if you're if your time time crunched yeah yeah on the i mean on the high intensity interval training stuff i find that really interesting because it's the whole the whole principle is that you're looking to get that it's total pareto it's your but you're looking to cut out the 80 percent mm. that's not giving you much and you're looking to just use the 20 percent that gives exactly, you percent yeah. of the results aren't you um and the university that i was at uh, before last year um called Aberty Aberty Uni in Dundee they do a lot of high intensity interval training research and I was mm-hmm. in an uh, I got an experiment I can't remember have I mentioned this in the podcast before uh, you, I'm not sure sound familiar uh, they, so I was a guinea pig basically I signed up for they were asking for volunteers mm-hmm. I signed up for the scheme um, and they gave me a program which was now what was it it was three by three so it was nine weeks with a test at the start and the end and a couple of tests in the middle actually mm-hmm. so what they did was they tested my VO2 max at the very start which is a horrendous test by the way. <laughs> have, you, have you done that I'd imagine you have have you um, I, I haven't I know oh, I, not, right. I, no I haven't I, I, I do want to get sort of a baseline set actually for yeah, this yeah. in this in this winter period I know oh, okay, people cool. that I that I race against so I know I know two people that I um that I race against and kind of sometimes beat me I beat them sometimes and they they were both 85 um they were both what sorry 85 85 right yeah, yeah cool. so um so they are professionals I guess yeah they're they're yeah, elite yeah. elite pros yeah, yeah so yeah, um yeah. I'm I'm hoping I'm not too far far from that I'm quite <laughs> I'm quite sort of small so yeah. usually when you're smaller the, the VO2 max is, is I think it's usually higher but right okay but anyway oh, really? is that right? but, uh, okay. hopefully I'm sort of not too far off that yeah yeah so they, they did that test at the start and they did a critical power test as well mm-hmm. which is even worse um yeah unless I'm getting them mixed up here, but there's certainly one of them was that basically you have to do, uh, you have to sprint for as long uh, as you, well, you have to sprint for three minutes, basically. Yeah. So, um, and it's just, it's just horrible. Horrendous, <laughs> because yeah. if you, because if you do it properly and I did try and do it properly, like you go off as fast as you possibly can, yeah. knowing that you're not going to be able to sustain <laughs> yeah. that at all. Um, so I would, I'd, I'd go off and then, and you're starting to feel sick after 20 seconds <laughs> and then 40 seconds in, you're just feeling like completely thrown up but you're still trying to push as hard as you possibly can uh, and you just keep going and it just d- devolves into this horrible uh <laughs> like your lungs coming out of your mouth uh, terrible for the last minute or so and it yeah was nasty. yeah and i had to do that three times for the test um but anyway uh, the the whole thing was really interesting i found that it was it was uh it taught me a bit about where my limits are and stuff like that, like what mm. I could do if somebody was watching me and making me do things. Because yeah, yeah. the guy who was the experimenter was a, he, I think he's a kind of trainer by background, mm-hmm. but he was doing a PhD in it. So that was why he 
I was doing the experiment yeah. and he would be sitting next to me um, and during the normal one you know it's a three minute rest and then there'd be a 30 second all out sprint and he was like shouting just like go on go on keep going <laughs> yeah. 10 seconds to go 10 seconds to go 5 seconds come on come on and I'm like oh 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 print sprint and just doing more <laughs> yeah. than I would have done in any way if Absolutely. nobody was watching basically um, so it was cool but yeah anyway the point is I started so the, the program was three weeks of uh, 30 seconds on three minutes off for four times so just three sprints and that was it for the first three weeks and it was only twice a week so two sessions so eight sprints in total uh, what's that work out as four minutes four minutes of sprinting mm. in total uh, in the first each week for those first three weeks so not much at all uh, then the second week it went up to five sprints and then the third week it went up the thir- third section so the last three weeks it went up to six sprints so I ended up doing not much even the, even the very last week it was only six sprints so three yeah. minutes yeah. of sprinting um, twice a week so yeah. six minutes in the entire week so it's not really really not much and my VO2 started at uh, 41 mm-hmm. which I was told isn't terrible. <laughs> I was told it's pretty decent for an I amateur. I don't think it's basically. terrible. No. Yeah, yeah. It's as, supposedly the average is something like twenty-five to thirty for you right. know, a man in the street. Okay. Um, so I'm certainly not in your pro league, but it wasn't terrible. But I still managed to get that up um, by almost ten. So I got it just below fifty. Mm. So we increased it by quarter, by twenty-five percent, which is a massive increase when it comes to like performance. Uh, Improvement, isn't it? With with such a little effort as well. So I, anyway, that was just that. Yeah, it was really interesting being involved in that and seeing all the stats and my improvement and stuff, and especially given how little effort and time went into it in the end. Yeah, exactly. I've seen I've seen quite a few studies actually that um, are really interesting in terms of how they show kind of almost similar adaptions from um, you know four five hour rides to really? a series of short. 30 second sprints like like you were talking about Colin and um, I I think the issue the issue for me and sort of more towards um, the kind of racing side is whether it's sustainable um, and uh, and whether you're sort of losing out on other other things that you might get from you know training longer and longer hours but like we were saying for people that are time crunched and um people that are trying to maximize the kind of fitness improvements they can get with very limited training time it's it's definitely the way to go is more intense and um just just working harder for that amount of time that you have yeah yeah that's cool i think i think the main focus of it right now is they're doing a lot of research around whether it helps older people isn't it so it's people that can exercise for 45 minutes yeah. because you know you're 70 and your joints are a bit knackered so yeah but if you can do three minutes of of all-out effort mm. then that actually keeps you really fit so it's cool it it's cool yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> so are you are you uh playing around with any new kit just now yourself uh I haven't got I mean I'm getting I'm starting to get some stuff for um for next season that I'll hopefully be giving a giving a good go um yeah, the sure. in the next few weeks. I've got some yeah. dropper seat posts actually. Oh nice. Um from a from a component a Swiss component brand called Yep yeah, yeah. Components. Yeah. Okay. 
and um, they, they've just uh, they've just been sent to me um, today actually. So mm-hmm. looking forward to getting those on the bike and, uh, and giving them a try. Get? Oh no, sorry that you just said. I was just in my head there. I was thinking about droppers because I was looking at them recently, and I, there was only two or three that I thought came up, but I didn't see that one. Then what did you say the mate was called again? Uh, they're called Yep Components. So Y E P. Yeah, they're a Swiss brand, and they're actually they're kind of sponsoring um, Nino Schurter and a lot of the uh, BMC uh, mountain bike team as well. So. Yeah. They um they're and they've they're, got their own dropper. They have yeah. So they've yeah. got a um a wired version uh, or a um uh, an external version. So what sort of where the cable goes from the seat post along uh, the outside of the frame to to a switch on the handlebars and then an internally routed one as well. Right. And um that it's called the Optimizer. Um mm-hmm. so UP. <laughs> up to, yeah, Timizer, and uh, it's. I'm really looking forward to getting hold of them. They're, um, they're they they look to me like the the kind of best built um, one of some of the best built out there. They've gone really deep in terms of making sure that there's no kind of play in the seat post. That the switch is a really nice engagement, and yeah, um, yeah. it's it, it looked like they it looked like the best kind of uh, option on the market for me, and I'm really. Mm. really happy to be working with them so i'm looking forward to trying them out that's cool yeah i like i said i was looking into them as well and i came down to uh, the what was it called the command post no that's yeah. the specialized one isn't yeah, it yeah that's the specialized one yeah and then um i, I was looking at the uh, the um uh, crank brothers one because mm-hmm. I, I like Crank Brothers stuff, but I heard their their first dropper seat post was pretty bad. It was pretty unreliable, a lot of issues right. with it. There was a lot of sendbacks. Um, but their new one's out now, and uh, it's getting really good reviews. Actually, it's been tested out by a few different people. I don't I don't know if it's actually publicly available yet. Um, but my, so that was the one I was planning to go for, just because yeah. I, I wanted to give it a try, and I just I like Crank Brothers. Um, but in the end, I couldn't do any because it turns out that my frame. So I've got a Cove Hummer titanium frame, yeah, quite an old one that I've um, rebuilt a bunch of times now, mm-hmm. um, and I love. So I'm not getting rid of it. Uh, but it's just it's one it's one of those funny seat sizes that right <laughs> uh, seat post sizes. So it's um it's thirty it's thirty mils exact. Uh, and they just don't do droppers in that size. No, so I'd have to get a, I'd have to get a shim, uh, and apparently shims are dodgy. Even if you've got a normal seat post, uh, <laughs> and using it with a dropper is probably an even worse idea. Right. So, yeah. So no droppers for me. That's a shame. Uh, well, I'll, I'll have to let you know. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know how uh, my experience is because I haven't actually used one before. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, you tell me I know it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, we're going to um, come on to talking about 2017 trends at some point, yeah. but I think um, the dropper post is certainly up there in in terms of what yeah. I think we'll be seeing quite a lot of in the next year. Have, so. they, have they not been next year's trend though for the last two or three years? Dropper posts. Yeah, I think I think they're they're starting to. I think they're picking up a lot more now. I mean, certainly in terms of the cross country racing side of things, they they started to be seen a little bit more last year. But I think right. um, now, I think coming into twenty seventeen, we'll see quite a lot more of them. Just as courses get sort of more technical and um, yeah. and steep and that kind of thing. Um, I yeah, think they've yeah. been quite quite ubiquitous in the sort of trail and enduro scene for for a few years um but there's always new ones coming out as well which is interesting so yeah yeah um, they seem to be hard to get right because there's a lot of bad ones aren't there 
There are. I think there's a there's a lot of issues around, like I mentioned, you know, play in the um, in the upper part, upper upper to lower part of the seat post. Yeah. There's uh, different problems with the cables, um, the the post getting stuck. I think they're they're quite complex. They're, yeah, they're a lot more be, complex item than uh, a regular seat post. Yeah, totally. They've got to take a lot of force yeah. when you're you know you're landing down on the seat sometimes, or you you know you want it to. They take a lot of crap as well in terms of the mud splattering up from they there. Do. Like it's one of the sort of key points for getting dirty. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot goes into them. I'd imagine. So yeah, <laughs> I can see why they're hard to make. Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, cool. Um, I should I should I mentioned the uh, Neo. I can't remember if I've actually mentioned it properly on the podcast before, but I've I've had my Neo Tax Neo now. T A C X. You spell it. I don't know why they spelled it. That yeah, way. I think we we think we agreed it was tax last time. But tax, not yeah. not hundred percent sure. Yeah, but that's uh, about three months. I've had it now, and I'm still loving it. It's brilliant. It's the only turbo trainer. I've ever used more than about half a dozen times um, and I've been managing to use it regularly and I, I think there's a few reasons for it um, and I realise this thing is bloody expensive it's ridiculous, yeah. it's the price of a new bike but um, <laughs> for me there's a few reasons why I'm loving it, one is it's so simple to actually swap bikes like normally on the, tr- the turbo I end up having to think about you know a turbo tire so you have to have a different wheel Ooh. swap out the wheel then try and get the bike onto it get it into the clamps on the side all that kind of stuff different like skewer and all that sort exactly. of stuff it's, it always seems to me every time you try and put a bike into a turbo it's like it just falls over and it falls yeah. out of the wee clamp but you're trying yeah. to screw it on to tighten it up and it's just a pain in the arse um and that always put me you know any little barriers like that when it comes to exercise are going to reduce the chances of you using it so this is the direct drive is so easy you just pop your wheel out of your bike you just drop it on as if it's a wheel uh, tighten up the skewer and that's it and it just works every time um, there's also the fact that the direct drive just makes it so much simpler like you, no skidding wheels so you start sprinting or something and it just it mm. feels like a bike it feels like much you're on more the road. solid yeah totally yeah absolutely um the Neo rocks a bit, so you get a bit of play. So you do feel when you when you get out the saddle and you do a sprint, you feel like the bike's moving a wee bit. It feels more right. like a proper a proper bike as opposed to even a normal turbo, which you know kind of stuck up right. And I hear the the Wahoo Kicker, which is the kind of big competitor for the Neo yeah, as well. Yeah. It's much more solid too. Um, I've heard people saying that's a downside actually because they don't like it. They think it feels really unstable. But I quite I quite like the. The movement <laughs> is that is that um, a design feature then, Colin? Is it's supposed to? I think yes, it is. Yes, yeah, exactly. They they talk about it as a design feature. It's it makes it feel more natural, more like you're out in the mm-hmm. out in the road. Um, yeah, yeah. So and there's that, and then there's just the the smart stuff. So the fact that you can get all of that data, and I'm a total geek for data, and and the only reason that I can keep up a training program, the only way I can keep up a training program is if I see improvement. So the fact that I can see every time I go out on it, I can see my average power, I can see the time I've gone, I can see um, my time over certain segments on Zwift because I'm tying it in with Zwift as well. Um, uh, but even if I wasn't using that, you can use the mobile app and you can see like your average power and stuff like that. So you can see yeah, what you can yeah. sustain. Average power versus ha- average heart rate, power per weight, all that kind of stuff. It gives mm. you a, a benchmark to see Absolutely. how hard you're working and and to be able to track that improvement. So that's why that's why I'm enjoying it. And also Zwift's just good fun, actually. <laughs> you get on there and I, just, I quite often on my easy rides, I just... Um, 
I was doing workouts and I do do workouts for the the interval training stuff. So they've got workouts yeah. on there and you just jump on and it automatically adjusts the resistance. So you don't have to worry about anything. You just jump on your bike, start cycling and it it t- tells you what to do, basically. <laughs> so there's, cool. there's no worries about it um, when you're doing the proper workout ones. But when you're not in a workout, I actually just go and ride around the island. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but... <laughs> It's actually just, you know the bits of the island that you get to. You know there's a hill up here. You can choose ways to go. I go, oh, there's a monastery up there. I'm going to cycle up that hill and just do a wee bit of a, a king of the mountain. I quite fancy that yeah, today. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I can I can track my time on that. Again, I can compare whether I'm improving or not. So it's just, it, it works. I, I think it's again, great. Yeah. yeah. Again, I've only been doing it three months. So I, I, I'll probably give it a proper review in a year's time, literally, to see how much a full season, a full mm. year's worth of training, whether the novelty's worn off in that time, but so far working brilliantly. Um, and and it, like I said, it costs a fortune. But do you know what? If it makes me fitter, healthier, cycle more, then that is probably one of the most uh, worthwhile things to spend a good bit of money on for me. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think if you look at it this way as well, and that if you were doing all that riding outside as well, your bike get bikes just get trashed at this time of the year in the, in <laughs> yeah, the UK. True. So you might end up spending almost half of that sort of, you know, that money on just getting new bike components. I mean, my, <laughs> my road bike, which sees most of the most of the sort of time outside at this time of year just yeah. everything feels like it needs to be replaced already yeah. and that's you know that's not not a cheap not a cheap job so yeah um yeah it's a good invest i think it's a good investment certainly if you're like like you say you're going to use it a lot as well so you yeah. want to get the best setup you can and reduce those barriers to to getting on the thing yeah which yeah. which you mentioned Exactly. Yeah, it's not going to stop me getting out in the bike properly during the winter, during the um, no. even during the winter a bit, but mostly during the summer, obviously. So it's just uh, it's a way of keeping on there. So yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Uh, I have got some more upgrades in my bike I want to talk about, uh, but we'll do that in the next episode because uh, I changed yeah. a whole bunch um, of stuff. Uh, but yeah, we've we've gone over a bit on this one anyway. So let's let's keep some for the next one too. Um, let's do a quick question before we finish off. Uh, let me bring up that question. So, oh yeah, before I do that, um, if you are interested in Neo, uh, one of the ways we keep mountain bikes part running actually is through uh, is through affiliate links, which basically means that if you're buying something like the Neo or buying any of the kit that we or anything, if you're buying anything from Wiggle, from Chain Reaction, from Amazon or anything like that, then um, if you use our the link that's on our website, then it gives us a small commission. Just gives us a little five percent commission on what you buy. It doesn't cost you any more. Um, it's just a wee thanks, I suppose, for uh, the content we're putting out there. So if you are enjoying this, if you like the stuff we do, by all means, you don't need to do this, no pressure. But <laughs> if you want to give us a wee thanks along the way to help pay for the kit and the uh, um, hosting and all the stuff that's involved in running this, uh, then go to that. So you can go to mountainbikesapart.com forward slash support and you'll see a full page which shows all the ways that you can... Uh, uh, give us a thanks. Uh, there's Wiggles on there, Chain Reaction, Hargroves Bikes, Amazon. So anything you buy on Amazon, the Neo I bought on Amazon, it's cheaper on Amazon than anything else. Um, and it drops down to 950 sometimes, actually. I got mine for 950 quid, which was uh, 250 off the, the RRP, I think. Nice. So yeah, mountain, mountainbikesapart.com forward slash support. Now, question. What have we got? So this was an interesting one from CJ. Right, let's see. This is what CJ said. I've been listening to your podcast for about two weeks and I'm very happy I found it. I'm an Australian living in Japan and I'm 13 years old. 
I've been mountain biking for about half a year now and I just had my first race a month ago. As it was only my first race, I didn't do well at all, but I did get inspired to do more at professional level. I've also got quite an almost unachievable goal to compete in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. However, almost 70% uh, of Japan is mountainous, um, even though, uh, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to correct something. Uh, even though uh, only seventy percent, even though seventy percent of Japan is mountainous, mountain biking is still pretty minor around there. Claimed to, uh, compared to its popularity in Scotland, official races are only a few times a year, and designated trails are quite hard to find. So a lot of the time, I am left just practicing on the concrete road, going up and down hills around my house, randomly practicing wheelies. And this is where I'd like to ask for your expert advice. Are there any ways of training that could enhance my trail riding and eventually my racing that I can do on a normal street? Uh, I look forward to your response. Thank you very much, CJ. Uh, So first of all, thanks very much for sending that in, CJ. That's really good uh, to get your question in. And again, anyone else out there, if you're listening and you have a question for us, do send it in. Send it to colin at mountainbikesapart.com or go to the website mountainbikesapart.com and there's a contact page there. Or you can tweet me at Colin MC Gray or Tom uh, by Tom Bell, isn't it, Tom? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Any of those ways you can get a question to us and we'll answer it on a future podcast. But anyway, right. So Tom, the basis of this is he can't get out on the trail very often, but he wants to get good yeah. and fast. How do you do it on a normal street? Yeah, well, there's um, there's quite a few. Obviously, the skills-based stuff, so um, tackling berms, riding rock gardens, that kind of thing is going to be yeah. a little difficult. But you can kind of work on those um, technical skills when you do find um, access to some off-road riding uh, every now and again, or maybe just head into a, a a very small section of wood just to practice those kinds of things yeah. but there's a lot you can do definitely on on the on the pavement on the road um as well i mean most of the training that i do is on the road bike and um it's it's just essentially preparing the the fitness that you can then transfer mm-hmm. you, you can then add the skills to and and transfer to kind of um mountain bike speed so as um as cj mentioned the uh, going up and down hills is a great way to do it so um right doing a bit of a ride to some hills and doing some hill repeats um whether those are at sort of a more threshold intensity they might be around sort of eight minutes eight to ten minutes if um if you can find some hills of that length um as well as some kind of stop start punchy 30 seconds on 30 seconds off intervals are really good because they they simulate um a lot of the demands of a of a cross-country race where you're going around a corner accelerating for 30 20 30 seconds going around another corner up a hill that kind of thing so you can make you can try and um take the demands of riding off-road and dissect them a little bit and try and replicate them um, as much as you can um, on the pavement, Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if Japan's a bit more well-served with BMX tracks, maybe, or even, like, skate parks. Like, how, how well do you say, would you say that um, the bike skills required to, you know, rat, thrash around in, a, in a, a pool, you know, your standard skateboarding pool or whatever it is, yeah. um, translates to the skills you need for a cross-country race? Well, I think I think it's going to be um, that you know working on balance and working on uh, little jumps and and, yeah. and things like that, as well as um, I guess with your pool example, you've got kind of almost like a berm kind of um, kind yeah, of setup true. there as well. So yeah. those skills definitely translate in any way you can build the 
um, work on your skills and work on things like you know hopping around or yeah. and that kind of thing. They all they all translate, um, yeah. and then you can use the kind of more consistent surface of uh, of a road to actually just work on kind of fundamentals of fitness because sometimes it is yeah. hard to actually um work on pure fitness off road because you you know you're having to slow down for for trees you're having to uh freewheel yeah. round corners and that kind of thing <laughs> whereas on the road sometimes you've got uh, a you know a long stretch to actually just stay in a particular zone or do a particular workout so yeah, yeah. Um, just blending the two um, yeah. i think is a good way and then like you say skate parks and just working on jumping and all yeah. those all those sort of little skills definitely help yeah absolutely do the trials riding that type of stuff like just find yeah. some wee obstacles and just start playing around on them and exactly yeah i think just knowing how to maneuver your bike in any way no matter what sort of discipline it is uh, is going to help you when you get to help, unpredictable yeah. off-road conditions if you're confident on your bike you know how to move around it you know how to lift it up jump it down turn it side, you know all the different skills we need um that translates really quick and like you say i mean the big the big sort of uh, investment is going to be fitness as well isn't it so if you have both of those then i think he's got a good chance Alrighty. hope that answers your question cj hope that answers it and we hope to see you at the tokyo olympics in four years time <laughs> yeah that'd be great that'd be great if uh <laughs> if if that comes through certainly you, you're gonna see it you'll be there as well won't you tom so you'll see uh, it that's definitely a goal of mine for yeah, sure yeah. so uh hopefully we'll bump into each other there in an ideal <laughs> world <laughs> so he's 13 just now so he'll be 17 at the tokyo olympics uh, you'll be the uh, old experienced biker by that point, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's it. That's uh, it. Elderly, what, 24 or something? What are you now? 20, did you say? What? Sorry, say that again, Colin. <laughs> I said, what, what age are you just now? Uh, 26, just about to turn 27. So. Oh, I was I was calling you much younger than you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so should have gone with that. Past 40 by then, do you mean? Uh, 40? 30, even 20, I was giving 20. you a whole extra decade that's, there. Oh, that's only, it's only four years, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Right, let's stop it there. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this format. Uh, let us know what you think, though. Always looking for feedback. Always looking to know what you think, what you enjoy, what you like, what you don't like. So let us know. Email in colin at mountainbikesapart.com or tweet us. I'm at Colin MC Gray. Thomas? Uh, I am by Tom Bell at yeah. Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter. Uh, so get in touch any of those three ways. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want more of, what you want less of. Uh, and like I say, we'll do we'll do these updates, but less formal. Keep up with what we're all up to over the winter season. Start again with a more focused season of uh, content back in March or so. Uh, so yeah, actually, if you had any ideas of someone you want us to cover in depth, then by all means, let us know. We've got some plans ourselves, but. Nothing that can't be changed if we have some good ideas. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, thanks again for your time. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>